My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. I am so excited to welcome Sarah Bragg onto the show today. Sarah lives in Georgia with her husband, Scott, and their two beautiful daughters, Sinclair and Rory. She worked in full-time ministry for more than eight years and now works alongside those who are in the trenches of ministry. She's done it for the last 10 years with Orange, which I am really excited to talk about. We use Orange at my Sunday school, and I couldn't be more of a fan. Um, she is a graduate from Dallas Theological Seminary and also the author of the book, Body Beauty Boys, The Truth About Girls and How We See Ourselves. She is currently Orange's content director for the Live a Better Story small group curriculum. And you can also find her on iTunes hosting one of my favorite podcasts called Surviving Sarah, where she has really great conversations with different people in order to help women enjoy and survive wherever it is they are in life. Sarah, girl, I'm so excited to welcome you on to Heroes for Her. I am so excited to hang out with you. I feel like there's so much to catch up on. Will you just kind of walk everybody through and give them a breakdown of what is happening in the Bragg household from like you moved houses, the girls started school. So what is happening at your house? Oh my goodness. It has been a whirlwind. So in Georgia too, our summers are only like two months long. They are very short. So you like get out of school at the end of May. And so we had a great June and then we moved on July 1st and it, I don't, I can't even remember what happened. Like we, we moved. It's been chaotic. We didn't have air conditioning and it was like 95 degrees and all sorts of crazy. We didn't have a refrigerator, um, all sorts of mess. And so we did that and the girls did horse camps right in that time period too. And then school started on August the 2nd. Like it just seems too early that they went back to school. It does. And I I loved the, um, I saw on your Instagram the other day, you posted this sweet little picture of them at your front doorstep. And it reminds me of like the first time we ever sent Ronnie to school. We had that gorgeous moment at the front steps. And I loved what you posted. That is sort of like your family motto that you talk about. And it's just a simple way to start the school year, but it's something to sort of live into every day. And it was just be brave, be kind. And it was so simple. But is that like how you ushered them out the door and like started to like, was that your hope to transition into the next school year? Well, was just to keep it simple for the girls? Yes. You know, we have been saying that to our girls um, probably since, so my girls are third grade and fifth grade. So probably since Sinclair was in kindergarten, she's my oldest, we've been saying that. And I, I had it in our old house. It was just, I printed it out on like computer paper and it was on our kitchen wall. And, you know, I drove them to school and as they like, you know, ushered them out the door. I was like, remember, be kind and be brave. Cause I think, I mean, those are the things when I can think about what I want for, for myself, like to be kind, not only to other people, but to myself, to be kind to myself. That's what I want for my girls to like notice if there's a new kid and they don't know the ropes or there's no one playing with someone on the playground, like, ah, be that kid, you know, like be the kid who is kind and then, and be brave. Like I think school nowadays, even elementary school can be a scary place for these kids. You know, my oldest will come home talking about how stressed she is. And I'm like, you are not supposed to be stressed in fifth grade. It's then just why do you know what that is, right? Right, right. I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, she's probably heard me say, oh, I'm just so stressed. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I need to dial it back a little. Um, but it's just be brave. Like you can do this. You can do hard things. And so I do. I just, I want them to remember it. And so 
I feel like that's why I just keep it short, keep it simple and say it often. I love that. And I wish that would have been advice. I mean, at least in my own house, like, you know, going back to something as big as school and having such a big transition happen and all those emotions fly up. Right. But um, yes. what I noticed about even sending Rooney back to school and she's only been in for one year cause she's so little, but I can't <laughs> help but think about like my own time spent at school, all the struggles, all the friendships, all the, you know, new teacher, new classroom, new everything. There's so much to get used to. What do you notice about what your girls are going through as far as like this season of life, you know, third and fifth grade, does that mirror sort of your own experience as a child or what you remember was what it was like for adolescence for you? Do you see more similarities or differences in this season for them? Well, I definitely, one of the big differences is just, I think it's harder. Like, I think that they are required. There's a lot required of them more than it was when I was in third and fifth grade. And I don't know if it's because it was the eighties when I was in like, (laughs) third and fifth grade or if it was, you know, small town school. I don't know. But I feel like there's a lot. But I also see a lot of similarities. You know, last year in particular, when Sinclair was in fourth grade, you know, fourth grade for me was a big, um, a big year. There was a lot of there's some pivotal things that happened to me. And so I was I remember being like nine, 10 years old. And so I, I watched Sinclair and I, and I can, I don't think I remember a lot growing up. I move so fast. I'm always focused on the future. It's kind of my personality. But when that kind of thing, when something so big happens, you remember. And so I have most of my memories start in like third and fourth grade. So I think about that for my girls and I think, okay, these are things that they're going to start remembering. Hopefully they're not remembering all my bad failings as like (laughs) mom of a little kids, but, um, but they're going to really start remembering things and things like friendship are a big deal. And I can remember that being, you know, I moved when I was in the fourth grade Mm -hmm. and making new friends. Maybe that's why I'm saying be kind you know, look out for that new kid because I was that new kid in fourth grade. Um, you know, Sinclair has faced um, a friend who's kind of a frenemy, if you will. I think Sinclair's even used that word. And again, I'm like, how do you know that word? But um, yeah, such a hip new friend word, you know, totally, but not yeah, not totally. like friendly at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah, you know, a girl that just is kind of like just kind of mean and their mm-hmm. friend. She wants to be your friend, but she really doesn't treat her well. And and I can remember having this conversation. You know, I, I told her. Uh, this was at Christmas time. And I said, listen, when I was your age, I had a friend who called me fat mm-hmm. and it ruined me and it crushed me. And it just really, I made some choices based on that conversation. And I said, but I still had to go to school with her until I graduated high school. I said, and you're going to have to go to school with this girl until you graduate high school. And you're going to have to figure out how to be in the same, like if you're both invited to a party how to be able to be with her and not be affected by her. And so it's been interesting watching some of the same things happen um, as far as just relationship things. Um, But again, and another thing is, you know, when they're this age, nine, they say that a girl's confidence really peaks at nine. That's when it really hits and they are so confident. And so last year, it was really important to me um, and I really prayed over Sinclair that God would make her confident to be who she is. And we really saw that confidence rise last year. Um, and that was through riding horses. Like she found her thing and she was, she is so confident. And, and it's, that's what's so fun because I wanted her to be confident before she stepped into middle school, which you know all about middle school. And I wanted her to find that confidence before she walked into a place where she's going to feel so unconfident, right? <laughs> 
So definitely. And you mentioned a second ago. So, and, and I know you've had a personal struggle with identity and body image and a lot of it. I mean, I can remember back to fourth grade and just have these like horrific flashbacks of like different scenarios and being in, in school and maybe at a friend's house where things just, you know, would hit you so deeply and painfully emotionally that it was so hard to let go of some of those things. And what, what I've learned even in the short term is that our wiring as women and as girls, it's really important that we pass this along that we're wired to feel pain and distress. And it's very hard for us to let go of those things. So I, I think what's cool to think about even as like, as you're, you know, looking to raise two daughters who are right in the thick of like that pre middle school time, you've had a personal struggle with identity and with a lack of confidence and body image issues, all the things that hit girls right around that time. How has, how is your struggle and the work that you're doing now impacting the way you approach them, conversations that you have are like, what is the Lord doing inside your relationship with your daughter? That's, that, that's allowing you not only to pour in your personal view, but come alongside and really show how God can show up in, in times of pain and distress. I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, for sure, you know, I'm very sensitive about the eating stuff. Um, and so, you know, I've always, I've really kind of made a commitment to model um, what it looks like to be strong and what it looks like to be healthy and take care of your body and not so much about how I, um, how much I weigh in front of them. Like I, I really wanted to be guard what I said about myself in front of them. And, and even down to wearing shorts, I hate wearing shorts. I hate it. Word. But in, right. Seriously. But in Georgia, it's like a million degrees in the summer. And if you want to be with your kids outside, uh, you know, you can and either I be wanted, sweaty and miserable or right, <laughs> yeah. right. Because I'm pretty sure before I, I had it. kids and even when my kids were like babies, I didn't wear shorts. I still just wore jeans, uh, you, you know, go. like to, I got to be too cool for school. Yeah. So um, and so modeling wearing shorts and not like making a thing of it. Right. And so I feel like I, I really have tried hard to re you know put the focus back on just gosh you know you are loved I tell them all the time you are loved because you are mine like that's why you are loved you're not loved because you perform well I I, I tell them all the time be kind to yourself um, because I think I was so unkind to myself and I still can be super unkind to myself Mm. Um, and, and be kind to yourself and another one is we all make mistakes and so these are all things that for me growing up really kind of uh, you know, pushed me. I had such a hard time accepting that I was chosen and holy and le- deeply loved simply because I was made in the image of God. Like you are hundred percent accepted. You belong, you are loved and it's, you are made in the image of God and you have intrinsic value. And so I really want to communicate that to them that you, you, you have value simply because you are breathing and that God made you and that God loves you. Um, and so I say that those little things a lot or, you know, when we're praying at night, I usually take that opportunity. Um, cause it's the one like quiet moment where they're not like constant. Da, 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 da. Um, and I'll like pray that over them, um, you know, in different ways. Like, God, thank you so much for, um, making, you know, Rory, uh, the way she is and for helping making her, you know, making me smile, um, because of who she is, all these little things or, you know, or I would just pray like, God, help Sinclair be confident with who you made her to be. And saying those things over and over again, I feel like that's part of just kind of helping to like, uh, transplant this kind of wisdom that I have learned that I know that is true into their little hearts at this age. 
I, so next question, like, so Rooney's four, and I know a lot of parents, you know, as you think back through that early time in motherhood when your kids are so itty bitty, you mm-hmm. have the hindsight right now and like the blessing of, of remembering what it was like to develop them and grow and watch like the light bulbs turn on about things concerning faith and their identities. So like, from starting out in the beginning where like, I mean, even our devotional time right now at night, we, we have like an Amy Parker faith, hope and love devotional. And it starts off with faith and trying to help Rooney understand what does faith mean? Well, it means believing in something without seeing it. Right. So that's like our approach to believing in God. We know he created us. We trust that, but we can't see him. So you had similar struggles, right? When your kids were little and now you have the blessing of being able to look back through many years of parenting and go, Oh my gosh, like they've grown and developed mm-hmm. so much in their own faith journey. So what has that been like going from, gosh, you're so small. How do I even introduce these concepts to now I can sit at the foot of your bed and we can pray together and we can talk about God's truths and call them out for things like identity and beauty and being his image bearer and being created, you know, you know, for a plan, for a purpose. What has that been like and how has it blessed you as a mom? You know what? I can remember being so overwhelmed as a mom of young kids and, and like stressing out. I think Sinclair was like six months old and I'm like reading all these books of and I'm like, what am I doing? She's six is months old. Is this soaking old. in? Right. <laughs> like what is happening right now? Um, and so I think we get so stressed because we feel this like pressure because we want them so badly to, to know Jesus and to love him and to understand um, how they are wired for his purpose, all these great things. And we get so overwhelmed rather than just going, okay, this little like one-year-old, this little two-year-old, like let's just sit right there. And so I feel like when they were little, you know, I focused on like that God made me and God loves you. and God made you. God loves you. And Jesus wants to be your friend forever. Like, and we just say these little things. It was just like, as you go, like there was no, like when they were that little, I was not trying to force them to sit down and like, let's talk, you know, talk about this. Yeah. But it was the smallest things where like, if we, um, and I could see it happening years later, like even when Rory was, I think she was four and Sinclair must have been first grade and Sinclair lost her ear, an earring or maybe they're a little bit early, older. I can't remember. It's all blurred together. Anyway, she lost an earring and I was, and, and Rory goes, oh, let's ask Jesus to help us find it. And it was because of years of just like turning we our attention. Like, yes. Because yeah. yes. <laughs> that would it's be our little, approach, right? Right, right. And it's just like the taking the little opportunities to turn their attention, like to talk about um, my youngest, she loves bugs all her life. She's loved bugs, you know, so like talking about, you know, these little bugs and, and how that, that God created them, just, just turning your attention and not like crazy, like, you know, crazy religious ways, but just like these little ways of just turning their attention and the moments that you have. And then in this sweet phase of this third through fifth grade, it really is such a great phase when they are ready to talk about some faith things. Um, like my youngest, she got, she decided to get baptized um, last year. And so that was exciting to watch her really kind of understand what that was and, and own that. And then also to the mama that, you know, every kid is different. My oldest still has not chosen that she wants to get baptized. Like that is not like, so it's not like there's this, oh gosh, well mine, I swear mine still doesn't. My oldest is still like, I don't know about all this. Like she believes in her, but like even talking about faith that is believing in something you don't see, she just has a hard time with that. And that's okay. You know, I think we can just put so much, again, so much pressure on. We got to like make sure our kids get this stuff. And then we feel like failures as mom when they don't. And, um, but it is so neat to see her now starting to come around 
and and which I love. I've worked with middle school and high school students for so long. And so it's fun to watch her entering into that phase mm-hmm. where she is, is starting to click on some things and she's starting to turn to God on her own and asking for help. Um, but it was just all those years of just being diligent and like setting the stage for that. So a lot of, lot of just little steps. Yeah, no, that's so great. I, um, so as you, you know, you, cause you're doing the podcast stuff in, and the book was born out of some of these personal issues with, with, you know, all the things that girls struggle with, right? And now as you're raising daughters, like, how does, cause I'm such a big fan of Orange, not only because of the Sunday school curric- curriculum, but we've had Kristen Ivy on the show way back when to talk about things like parent cue and understanding what, what phases you can look for certain, you know, just tips and tools to help us walk with our kids as they grow and develop develop not only you know biologically but their faith relationship and their spiritual relationship and growth so what do you notice about the work that you get to do with orange and i love that you described it even in your bio as being like in ministry trenches talking about things like resources creating content for parents that's super valuable how does the work that you get to do with orange or like around this collaborative conversation of parenting and strengthening family families how has that work impacted your own relationship with both girls because they're both very different personalities they're in different seasons so i'm just curious like where do your work and motherhood you know where do those converge and where do you yeah. see that that those relationships being impacted yeah oh gosh that's such a good question um, I, I, I'm so thankful that I have worked for Orange, you know, before I had kids. So when I started with them, uh, you know, I was working in the student curriculum. Like I helped create and launch that and develop that. And it was so great because I, I was having all these conversations, yet I didn't have any kids. And I was, you know, having conversations just about banking all the wisdom, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, just write right. all and, this and conversations down. Conversations about how much. Um, the parent matters when we're when we're talking about church and parents. You know, the whole concept of orange for people who don't know is that um, you can have when you combine two influences together, mm-hmm. you have a greater impact on a kid's life. So we would want to combine the influence of the church and the influence of the family to have a better and a greater impact on a kid's life. And so I got to sit under all of this and wrestle with all of these things and hear how important the role of the parent is in this, just as much as the role of the church, because it's easy growing up thinking, oh, I'm just going to take my kids to church, and that's where faith is going to come alive. But no, like, here it is. Here's our, these are opportunities. You go As you go, these are the concepts of learning, you know, when they were little, I remember, you know, taking advantage of bath time and drive time and meal time. And these times where you're just, as you're going, that's, and that's what I just described earlier. That's how we talked about faith. And that was from my years of working with Orange of going, oh gosh, this is just, you can just take advantage of as you go, that, that verse in Deuteronomy. And so I really think that that has kind of helped set me up. And then for elementary phase, I, I talk about, um, I tell my girls a lot to be wise. What is the wise thing to do? And and, and so I think that these are the years where we are really trying to drill that in. And that comes from Orange, of learning that. Um, and so it's been, I, I feel like I'm in a great advantage that I have spent, you know, more than 10 years with that organization to set me up well as a parent, to just be aware of these things. And to and then another thing that I think is great that it, where it intersects is that 
I've learned to sit and be okay with tension. I don't do that well. I don't like tension. I don't like conflict. I don't like hard things. I just want to keep moving and um, have it easy. But I've, I've learned all these tensions that can be surrounded with things that kids walk through and learning that um, it's okay, that tension is good and we can, that tension can breed growth. And, and so I think that has helped me parent better with that kind of understanding in mind. I love that too. So our, I've been kind of camped out in Proverbs this summer. I don't know why. I've just felt like over the last couple of months, Proverbs have been, has been following me around and that word, that, that word wisdom and just that it's so valuable. And that, you know, when girls think about their value and it's like, there's so much emphasis placed on the physical body and what do I look like? What is it? You know, how is that being perceived by the people that I meet to kind of flip that and do what, just what you said? Like, we're always want to be seeking wisdom as adults. Obviously, we want to model that for our children, but guiding them toward what is the wise choice. If you're looking at all of the things displayed out for you or the menu of choices and decisions you have to make, which ones are wise and being there not to tell them what to do, but just to help them think. And give them the power to go, oh, I can think through all of these choices and I don't have to be told what to do, even though my parent probably knows what to do to impart all the wisdom before I'm at, by actually arrive there. So in thinking along those lines, like what have you noticed as your girls, you know, face certain decisions and maybe, you know, because the school year is starting so fresh or maybe something happened over the summer, how do they approach seeking wisdom? in the decisions that they need to make. Cause sometimes those things can feel like huge decisions for girls. Right. And for us, like we're looking at it as mom going, okay, this maybe isn't that big of a deal, but we can't give them our perspective. So what's been their approach or, or under your guidance? How are you, you know, gently helping them understand the decisions that are in front of them and how they can seek wisdom at all times? Yeah. You know, the, the hard thing with, and I'm assuming that this will probably carry on through middle school and high school, is when you have different kinds of personalities. So I have one that is a very logical thinker, and she will think through every detail, and she will process it. Even when we we told them that we were moving, um, she, this one, she was the one, she's my younger one, and she, she cried, and she mm-hmm. cried, and she said, but I'm going to, you know, miss these things, and, and what if I don't know, I, you know, I'm not going to know anybody in the neighborhood, and like, she had le- legitimate reasons to be nervous and sad, and then the next day, she was like, okay, so I've thought through it, and she had come to, like, you know, her decision. Now, my oldest is more, you know, she does not have that rational, logical nest to her. She's a very creative brain, and, um, and so it's, funny you know it's just different going okay well with this one I had to approach it this way and with this one I need to approach it this way you know I I told our when I told our oldest we were moving she like was like yes I always hated this place and I'm like well I don't think that's true you actually have really loved this house (laughs) and then she ended up dealing with it like a month later she was sad about Mm. the fact that we had moved um, a month of being in the new house then she was grieving the loss of the other house. And so I feel like it's one of those things where we, my husband and I both really want our girls to be critical thinkers. And we are realizing that it doesn't come natural to everyone. Now, my youngest, yes, it's coming more natural for her, but my oldest, it doesn't. And so we are practicing showing her what it looks like to be critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. So for instance, this was one that happened last week. Um, my daughter, my oldest, really wanted a cork board to put on her wall, Ooh, like yeah. over her desk. Uh-huh. Yeah, right? <laughs> so um, cork boards, though, require um, push pins, tacks. So 
We I can see this- where you're going with it. Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, your kids, right. You know, and, and some kids are totally fine. Like I know I have a friend who, you know, her firstborn is a typical firstborn, a type A and she, you know, decorated her room and the room hasn't changed in a year. Like yeah. she has everything like in its place always is not moving it. Sinclair is not like that. Like she is just, it's just, you know, so creative and we're just going to be all over the place. And she has an order in her mind. But if you look at her room, it's like, wait, I'm sorry. There's just chaos, but it's orderly in her mind. Right. So we, we've, we've experienced tax before and it didn't go so well. So my husband is talking to her and he's like, okay, I'm going to give you the choice. Like we could get, you know, a board and we could hang string and get those little clips and put it on there so you can clip things or we could do tax, but I want you to think about it, you know, in light of what has happened in the past and your current, how you're living, what is the wise thing to do? <laughs> you know, um, and so it was like helping her to remember, you know, in the past, like, or even looking around currently, there's Legos everywhere. We step on Legos every single day. You, we have this massive dog who eats the world. <laughs> and so we were going, okay, with tax, somebody could get seriously hurt or the dog could swallow tax mm-hmm. and that's not going to go well. And so helping her to like, okay, and he said, okay, so I want you to think about it today. This is like before school. And then give me your answer at the end of the day, what you think the wise thing to do is. And so, and I knew she wanted with all her heart to get the tax. She did. And at the end of the day, she came home and she said, I think I just need to get the string with the clips. And I was like, that's so great. But it takes us like helping to teach because it just doesn't come natural to her. So it's like probing them with questions is to help them think critically and to go, okay, well, given, you know, that, you know, my past track record is that I've had tax before and I've lost them all and I don't know (laughs) what happened to them. She's probably sleeping on them for all I know. Or, and then given that my room still has, you know, stuff all over the floor and I'm okay with that this was the wise choice. And so I think it just takes a lot of practice and a lot of effort on our part, which is hard. It is hard to like always be thinking, but, but we want them to be critical thinkers so badly about faith, about life, you know, about everything to, to be critical thinkers. It's so true. And what I love about this is so much of the work that you do revolves around like, you know, your girls and girls in general and raising them and pouring into them, right? And and understanding like how to approach teaching and all of the things we do to raise daughters and develop and grow them, right? And then on the flip side of that, you're also doing that with women in a variety of ways. And I love the podcast, not just because I was a guest, but because I mean, <laughs> genuinely, I love the conversation around, okay, what season am I in? What are some tips and trips tricks that will help me to survive the season and do it well, what has been, I guess, what's the most fun or rewarding part of getting to interview all of the people you do get to interview for the podcast? Because I know, I know you get to glean a lot of wisdom there and apply it to your parenting, but even just on the flip side and being able to encourage women, like what, what are you, what are you most excited about or what is so rewarding about the work that you do? Because you put so much work into the podcast, like it comes out consistently. The content is awesome. So will you just give everybody a breakdown of, of why you do it and what, what sort of fruit you see coming out of it? Cause yeah. I love it so much. Oh, thank you. Well, when I was 21, I can remember writing a purpose statement. I was encouraged to write a purpose statement and I remember writing, I want to encourage, inspire and teach women um, for the glory of God, mm-hmm. a 21-year-old. And now that purpose 
has been so consistent through my career, you know, from working in full-time student ministry to, you know, working in Orange to writing a book to starting a podcast. It's the same. The platform has changed over the years. You know, it was, again, it was student ministry and then now it's adult women and it's moms. And, um, and so it's interesting how the purpose has remained the same. And even having girls, I have, you know, I just, I remember thinking the years where, um, my my professional career wasn't doing anything and I was just mothering these two little people. And I remember thinking, oh, well, God still gave me women. Like I have wanted to work with women all of this time. And now I have these two little women that are like, you know, two and four. Um, and, and still I need to inspire and teach and encourage these women. And so with the podcast, I love it because I get to be um, really just a cheerleader for how others are contributing to the world and really be a megaphone for their story. And, and knowing that so much of life, we just feel like we're the only ones who are surviving. Like I'm drowning over here and whether it's laundry or diapers or work, and trying to do this thing and purpose and I just don't know what to do and I just want to be a voice that comes alongside and say you're not alone like I get you uh, I'm right there with you and and so the podcast has selfishly has been so great because it's like free counseling I'm sure you feel the same totally, way like it's therapy because yes, and I yes. adore these conversations for that yes. reason yeah yes and it's so fun I love to talk I'm a verbal processor so to get to just talk about these things with people um, I just feel like I come out after every conversation better. I'm a better human after these conversations. And so it has been selfishly such a blessing to me. I feel like I've grown so much in the last three years of, of doing the show. Um, and then I just love getting to, again, encourage and inspire and teach and entertain women um, to survive right where they are. It's so cool that God allows that to happen, right? And that's like his mm-hmm. orchestration too, because you're in your head, you're going, okay, what's my gift to the world? And how do I want to be a blessing? And like, I want to tell people about Jesus and shine, you know, shine his light on the world, encourage women and do all this stuff. And God's like, on the flip side going, yeah, but that's coming back as a serious blessing and fulfillment and encouragement to you in your own life. And I totally, I totally hear you on that. It's just cool how he how he designed us to do that and how it's so much more reciprocal. We don't approach it like that, but he certainly does. Yes. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, we have to wrap up and I can't believe we're out of time, but, um, thank you so much for being here. I love that we got a chance to, to catch up and I'm going to be putting up links to everything so that people can easily find you, get connected to you. But we end each episode with three questions and it's called the scoop. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So first question, obviously heroes for her. We like highlighting heroes for girls. When you were a little girl, who was your hero? I think it would have to be my parents. And I say this thinking, oh, maybe one day. My oh, they'll say it about me. Right? <laughs> but I was a daddy's girl and my mom was my best friend. So I could not have asked. I just enjoyed, actually enjoyed spending time with them even as a teenager. So, so I would say that. Second question, what is a piece of advice you've received that has impacted your life in a powerful way? So in light of the conversation that we've had, um, I think the, uh, the biggest piece of advice that I received at such a critical juncture was from my mentor. Her name is Kelly Hall. And when I was probably 25, uh, 26 years old, and I was still just struggling with the body image and, um, and wrestling with that. And I remember sitting with her and she looked at me and she said, now again, I was 20, I was not even dating 
anyone, not even dating my husband, no children in sight. So, and she said, for the sake of your kids, your future kids, you have to stop. And something about that was so powerful because it was the first time I ever thought outside of myself. I don't need to stop um, this whole eating crazy or the, this, you know, these lies or this false belief for myself. It was for the sake of my future kids. And I'm so thankful for that because I do. I look at my two little girls and I go, I'm so glad that for the sake of those little girls that didn't even exist yet, that I stopped. Mm. Last question. If you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? I think it would be time travel. Wouldn't that be fun to just yeah. go back and go back in time? I've always like, I'll go places and I'm like, what did this place look like a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago? Like, I'm just, I just wish that I could experience that. I love history. So that's Me probably too. why. Sounds awesome. Sarah, as we wrap up, where is the best place for people to connect with you online and find out more about what you're doing, your heart and just, and what you have going on? Yep. Just survivingsarah.com and you can find all my social channels there and the podcast there and all sorts of stuff there. Awesome. Sarah, thanks so much for being here. Love you, girl. I love you too. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at BibleBells.com. Just let